You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome back to another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. No, it's been a little bit of a hiatus, but that's what happens in the summer as you have different things going on, like the Top 100 camp, which my partner, my friend, is instrumental in putting on on a yearly basis. So it's about that time to do another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. I'm Sam Webb, and you know the man that this podcast is centered around. He was a center at the University of Michigan, a standout center at that before becoming a first-round draft pick, playing in the NBA for about a decade, and now, uh, ever since, one of the top basketball commentators that you'll find and you also hear that commentary here on the Michigan Basketball Insider his name is Tim McCormick Tim how are you I'm doing well Sam and it's so darn good to talk to you again I'm anxious to break down some Michigan hoops talk about some summer action Uh, real quick how are you and your family doing doing great man got some much needed R&R after uh, you know a very very hectic coverage slate for the summer I mean this was as hectic a June on the football recruiting side of things, as I've seen, and basketball was warp speed as a lot was condensed uh, into that evaluation period. As as you well know, Tim, I mean, kids had to do their do the circuit basically in the month of month of July, and that had, that sort of led right into the top 100 camp. So squeezing a lot into a little bit of time, and as you know, I made my way down to the top 100 camp, and it was great to see you down there, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the top 100 camp was so much different than in years past. Um, so this is year number 28, and I'm the camp director, so I, I've had a chance to watch it evolve. I've been at each of the camps. Um, I remember in year one, it was at Princeton, and and Kobe Bryant was there. And, you know, we were involved in coaching the teams and doing the fundamental skill development, and we were part of the educational sessions. And, and this year, we only had 60 campers due to COVID protocol. We were at Disney, which was a great venue. So it was actually a lot less chaotic from a leadership standpoint. And it was so much easier to watch the players and then to spend quality time with them. Um, I, I didn't feel like I necessarily had as much to do education-wise because we did that in Zoom sessions before the players arrived. So it was kind of fun to have a chance to sit on the bench during a game and, and be able to talk to the players, see what they're thinking. What, you know, what, what are the matchups? Who do they like? Who's good on their team? And so it was, it was good. And there were a couple of really good Michigan prospects that were there and I'm anxious to break them down a little bit. And I want your thoughts as well. Yeah, man, I, I saw part of what you were talking about. There was one sequence in one of the early games for Doug McDaniel. As a matter of fact, you might remember, you, you pulled them to the side and, I don't know what you said to him, but it, it felt like it was a teaching and coaching moment where you asked him a few questions and you can tell you were passing out some advice. He was listening very attentively. Uh, and this was during a, during a game where he was on the bench. He had gone to the bench and you just pulled him to the side to to have a moment with him. And, you know, it did strike me at the time. As I said, I wonder, is, is it different? Is Tim able to do this more this year at this camp because of the, just what you were saying, because the numbers are – or lower, did I just notice it more because it was Doug? Well, yeah, and there were several times I pulled him aside. And and w- one of them in particular, he was playing against elite shot blockers. And I thought he was 
dribbling a little bit too deep. Yes. And was having a hard time yes. finishing. Yes. And so I, I told him as 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 a smallish point guard, he's gonna have to work on his mid range game. Oh my god. But also but but also <laughs> drive and and draw that big guy for the dish. And so there were a lot of just, you know, little little talking points. But I, I have to say I was most anxious to watch him. Um, I had seen all of the highlights from Team Takeover, so so I had a pretty good idea. But the problem with video, Sam, and you you get this all the time. You only see the good plays, right? And and not the areas they struggle with. So I I learned a lot about Doug. Yeah, man. I'm I said yes, Tim, because I know we've communicated some since the Top 100 camp. But what you just said about Doug at the camp was what I essentially what I wrote. And I'll just read you the passage real quick. And then I want you to sort of give me your full scale breakdown and, and observations. It said, uh, you know, we've seen the Michigan commit play better than he did at the top 100 camp. And there could be a few reasons for that. This was the end of a grueling period for all of these kids. You can tell a lot of them were gassed. McDaniel seemed to focus on being a distributor. He p- appeared to be determined to play a consummate point guard role. And at times he allowed his great court vision to be on display. He tied for seventh and assists at three per game. He did a good job of finding guys in transition. He was also able to break down guys off the dribble with ease in the half court. That was a quality that stood out the most. But on the flip side, and this is what you were talking about, Tim. On the flip side, the part of his performance that likely proved the most most frustrating for him was finishing at the rim. He didn't do it at a high clip. In retrospect, he was getting too deep. Too deep to score over the trees and the paint and too deep to get a clear view to pass out. That clearly and really frustrated him and it it demonstrated how important it is for his in-between game to be more of a go-to than it was in Orlando. Tim, you just validated my observations, man. Wow, wow, we're on the same page for sure. (laughs) And it's a good observation on both of our part. And I also think it's pretty obvious. Uh, So to break down Doug, I I like him as a person, first of all. We did spend a really good amount of time together and got along well. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing him throughout his Michigan career. I also like the fact that he wore his Michigan hoodie like half the camp. And, and he's right. really proud of his school. I like that. Uh, the positives. And, and I, I looked closely at this because I didn't want to make a statement that was off base. I thought that he was the fastest guard in camp with the ball end to end. His speed is phenomenal. He's much better going right than to his left. He does dribble low. Um, which is is difficult to do. Uh, he's very tough. Didn't back down versus anyone. He's a good hustler. Uh, he he needs to be more of a playmaker. And right now, I, I think that that his shot making ability is is not good enough. And 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 the the, the Michigan coaches specifically. Howard and Saudi, I think, are going to do a good job of helping him with his release. It's more of a set shot now. Mm-hmm. Um, he holds his follow-through better than I expected that he would, um, but but there, there's a lot of work to do there. And over the course of the week, his field goal percentage was low, and he struggled at the rim and with his mid-range. Um, the, the, the size has got to be a huge factor. You know, as an example, the, the big men and the shot blockers – were just world-class. Um, Kalel Ware is going to Oregon. Jalen Washington is going to North Carolina. Um, Donovan Klingon is going to UConn. Jackson Kohler, Lee Dort, Jerace Walker. I mean, these guys are really good shot blockers, and every team had one or two. And and if you follow the recruiting trail, you know these names already. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so Doug missed a, a high number of layups. 
The good news is that with his speed, he was actually getting by his guy. Mm-hmm. That That's a positive. Um, right now, I think he's small and thin, and he, he needs to add size if he's going to play in the Big Ten. Um, right now, it looks to me like he would play behind Frankie Collins. I don't think he's better than Frankie. And and if he, he doesn't get better, you know, the, the way we're looking at college basketball, he'll he'll go ahead and transfer, right? Um, another thought, Seth Trimble and Jaden Bradley were, were both there. And, and, and I, I, I thought they were both clearly better than Doug. Um, I liked Isaac McNeely, who's going to Virginia. Um, Trey Holloway's going to Michigan state. They were better too, but, but there's, there's still a lot to like, and I, I can see why Michigan liked him. Yeah, Jaden Bradley was definitely had a <laughs> Jaden Bradley had a stellar camp. He was he was outstanding. Uh, Seth was you know, Seth. You, you got to like his size and his athleticism. I've seen him. We've seen him uh, be be better. You could tell he was sort of feeling his way. I, I wondered if if he was a little gassed to talk to his parents a little bit about it as well. And they said he, uh, you know, he certainly played better. And we know he was he's more capable. But with with Doug, I agree with. You know, all of your observations, Tim, I, I, he was a reluctant. I know Phil, we had Phil Hubbard on and he said his his three point shot had improved, but he was a reluctant shooter in this camp. I saw him turn down a few open looks. But to your point, even with that reluctance to, you know, to shoot from the perimeter, he was still able to get by guys. I mean, that that's a quality. It, it says something about his quickness. It says something about his ball handling ability that even when guys played off, he could still get by, but as I and as you said at the beginning of this breakdown, I mean, he would get down amongst the trees, and it was just too deep. It really illustrated the importance of his mid-range game, and it made me think about the observation that Xavier Simpson made in his game. That look, even with guys playing off of him, you know, teams didn't respect Xavier Simpson's jump shot, and he was still able to get by a fair amount of opponents. But he would get too deep at times and wasn't able to finish. He developed that hook shot. It is an unorthodox answer in the mid-range, but it was effective. And for Doug, I think it is crucial for him to develop a consistent in-between game. Uh, you know, as much if not more crucial than a, than uh, jump shooting and three-point shooting. I mean, I think both are crucial elements. But because I think he can get anywhere he wants to on the floor, Tim, because I think he's going to be able to get by opponents with ease, if he can find that mid-range, I think he's going to be able to find some consistency on offense. Yeah, he he um he he has a couple of other ingredients. I don't know how much summer league you watch, and I don't know how much you watch Baylor last year, but Davion Mitchell, and I'm not comparing them because Davion Mitchell is one of the best defensive guards I've seen, but Davion picks people up full court, and mm-hmm. he's so quick and aggressive that and and if we're going to talk about a player's skills, you know, he, he's a good passer, he can shoot. You know, he's got a high IQ. The, the ability to pick up full court defensively has to be considered a unique basketball skill. Mm-hmm. And so I think there are ways that, that you know, if you're, if you're playing against somebody that has a really good point guard, to be able to pick them up full court, you can wear guys down. And so I think Doug has that quickness and that mindset. And also, there was a, 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 a game in which um, it was tied and and – Doug's team had the ball and and he took it and he made a game winner. Um, it was a glasser and it was pretty impressive. 
and and he's on a team that was loaded with really good talent and he took the shot he wanted it so i can see why michigan wanted him yeah yeah i think that again finding his confidence as a shooter uh to the point where you know you saw xavier wasn't a great shooter but he was confident enough to take those shots number one so finding that where he isn't turning down looks and then number two Mid-range, 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 mid-range. And I'm, I'm glad that we saw the same thing. It says something about my, my eyes to me that you had the, uh, that I had the same observation as you, Tim. But moving on to his teammate early, and at least the first day it was his teammate, Jet Howard. And, Tim, I, I got to tell you, I came away. I was already impressed with, with Jet's game. I came away from top 100 camp, top 100 camp even more impressed with Jet's game. I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. There are so many things I like about Jet Howard. First of all, the highest character person. Not surprising. He's he's loaded with substance. But you know, you you look at the parents and the family and and the program he plays with. Um, he's a great conversationalist. He's funny. He's friendly. I met him two years ago. I think it was a, an Air Force tailgate. Did Michigan play Air Force at home? Michigan did play Air Force a few years back. Yeah. Yeah. So. So that's when I first met Jet. I already knew Jace, and and I liked him so much then. Um, on the court, he's he's big and he's strong and he's athletic. He he already looks like a big time player. Um, you know what? Six six two twenty. Mm-hmm. He's fast. He's athletic. He's a high jumper. Um, at camp, he got off to a little bit of a slow start. And he got better every game after that. And that happens sometimes. I'm not saying he was nervous or uncomfortable, but he really really grew in his position. He, he's versatile. Multi-position. I, I could see him in college playing some two, three, and four, depending on the matchup. Um, his shot is good. I think it can get better. He's a very strong finisher, and 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 I, I always kind of think about his recruiting. There, there's a belief that in recruiting that if the mom likes the head coach, the school has a great <laughs> chance. I I think Mrs. Howard likes the coach, and so I think Michigan gets Jet. And in in some ways. If if they don't get him, I, I guess I'd be more worried about it than anything else. <laughs> the dude is already recruiting for Michigan. I mean, this is one of the things that Jaden Bradley's dad told me. He's like, "Hey, man, Jets always put in the plug for for Michigan." I, maybe he put in a word for his daddy, even if he wasn't heading to Ann Arbor. But it just lends to the belief that it's extremely likely that he's headed here. But like you said, six 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 seven two twenty, and I, I was impressed with first his ability. As a shooter, you know, are you just a guy who is a catch-and-shoot guy? Can you shoot coming off screens? Can you pull up off the dribble? I mean, he's able to step back. I even saw him hit a few step-back shots. He has the arsenal as a shooter. Uh, And it was, again, he got off to a rocky start, but you saw that stroke really, really kind of rise to the fore, both in full team and in in three-on-three action as, as the camp went on. Maybe most impressive to me, though, was to be six 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 seven, to be a big wing, he handles it better than maybe I even appreciated handing it, heading into the camp. He's not, you know, he's not an elite, going to cross you up and that kind of guy, but they trusted him enough to bring the ball up and trigger the offense at times. And going to his right, I mean, going to his right, he was able to routinely get to the basket. Now, Tim, this is not a, a, a camp where they're going to be scouting reports where you're going to have the coaches be like, hey, jump is right, jump is right. So it doesn't necessarily fully translate how frequently he was able to get to the rim, even though it was right side dominant. 
but it still was impressive to me to see him handle it as well as he did. Now, if he can get develop his left hand, Tim, I, that to me is the difference between him being really, really good and being elite. Jet Howard with a left hand to me is elite. Right. And and the thing that you, you have to believe is, you know, if, if a kid is, is somewhat talented and you say he's got to develop his left hand, it's iffy. At this point in life, if you can't go left, it's really hard. But if you're immensely talented, you, you can accept coaching and add pieces to your game. And I think Jed is, is, is really one of the most important recruits um, in any window of time in, in Michigan's history. And I say that because, number one, I, I think he's going to have to be a three- or four-year prospect. You think so? Um, that makes, I do. I do. Okay. Um, and, I, and I think that um, the, re, the reason that's so important is because if he stays for three or four years, that means that Juwan Howard is Michigan's coach for that duration. <laughs> right. Dad's not, dad's not leaving when his son's on the team. Um, and then also I think it's important because the fact that he's at IMG and that's a talented hotbed, he provides valuable recruiting, not, not only for the kids that are there, but for the young guys. And, and another thought that I, that I had, I was really anxious to watch him go against Ty Rogers. And I watched Ty play at the peach jam quite a bit. Um, Ty was forced to back out at the last minute, but, but after watching in person, I sort of expected to like Ty Rogers better, and I like Jet Howard much better. Um, I, I think that I think he's I think that his long term growth, his ability to make shots, make make him a much better prospect. Yeah, I, I think they are they're similar size, but they're they're different guys. I mean, they they just bring different skill sets to the table. There's no question that Jet, from an offensive perspective, uh, is a more complete offensive player. Whereas Ty, you know, as a as a rebounder, as a defender, as that junkyard dog, he he brings those elements to the game where I almost think that, that defines. I mean, it's an interesting summer for him where it felt like the summer was almost more focused on that than it was showcasing his own offense. He seemed to be more focused on hitting the glass and playing defense and being more deferential. He seen. I don't know if that was a concerted effort on his part or what. I don't know what that was about, but it, it seemed to be more defined for him those aspects of his game this summer. Whereas Jet, I, I just it's interesting, Tim, that you say that uh, as a developing a left hand this late is, is probably a little hard. But I wonder if it's different for a guy who is the son of an elite NBA guy, a guy who is so focused on his craft and a guy who's so far along in the other aspects of his game where you could really see that this is the missing piece. I wonder how long it will really take with a lot of work for him to get that because man, to, I, I just, I, a four year guy, I, part of me feels like that's what that would be wishful thinking on my part for him to be a four year guy. I think he, he'll be out of college sooner than that. Yeah, well, I think three is more realistic, but um, and and talking about the, the the improvement part, and I've shared this story with you. Um, I helped recruit Juwan, and he was in high school, and I came back in the summer for for a workout, and and the coaches hooked up Juwan and I. We worked out for about an hour at the IM building, just the two of us, and I showed him how to shoot a jump hook, and he he struggled with it. Um, and, and that had become sort of my go-to move in the NBA. And I saw him the next time one year later. His jump hook was better than mine. 
so he mm. Juwan was a student of the game and and he took what I showed him and mastered it and 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 I would expect the same thing for Jet that whatever you give him yep. he will implement and and make it part of his arsenal. Yeah, absolutely. Great great stuff, Tim. High level stuff which you would expect. And I was really really interested in what you saw and what you have to say about one of Jet's teammates at the camp and Doug's teammate on the first day and that was Yohan. I was saying his name wrong. Found out his name is not Johan. It's Yohan Treyor. And Yohan should play for a Jawan, right? <laughs> you, you, you would think. But Yohan Treyor is a guy that Michigan had been tracking all summer. I mean, you, you look up and you hear about a lot of schools having offered. Michigan was always around. Sadi Washington seemed to track him the entire way, but the offer didn't come. And then after the top 100 camp, not long after that, that offer came, Tim, and I, I felt like that was two things. I felt like you had Sadi, Phil, and Howard Isley all there together to, to really see uh, his game be on display. And then him being on the same team with Jet, I think had a lot to do with that Michigan offer coming through because Jet could give you that firsthand player experience about what his game was like. And you got to believe his dad listened to that. No doubt. And, and I watched him play a lot. Um, and, and think about it. Doug and Jet and Trey are, are all on the same camp team. And Sam, I had nothing to do with it. That was <laughs> highly coincidental. Okay. Right. I but, got you. But, but I did watch them a lot. And um, also on that team, just from a, a perspective of the talent, um, Creed Williamson, Corliss Williamson's son, and Corey Booth, the son of Calvin Booth, on that team as well. Um, but but early in the week, I watched Trey Orr go head-to-head against Jalen Washington, who's going to North Carolina, and I thought they were both very similar. Um, I was so impressed with, with Trey Orr, and, and 6'10", 220. He dunks on people a lot. He blocks shots. Um, solid defense, solid rebounding. I, I think he's got the ability to be a little bit of a face-up big man. He made some 15-foot jump shots. Mm-hmm. He's got a little finesse to his game. Um, I, I just I was really impressed. And with that being said, I just Sam, I, I don't think Michigan has room for him. See, it, it's it's interesting you say that because it really boils down to the question of do you think he can be a, a four man? I think that they came to the conclusion that he could be that he and Terrace Reed, who I want you to break down here shortly, that they can play together. I, I think that. His face-up game for as as much as we talk about his ability around the rim, dunking on people, his activity level is something that really, really jumps out. Very, very active to be a 6'10", 220-pound guy. But his comfort facing the rim is, is talked about like it's part of the evolution of his game. Talking to some folks who have scouted him much closer than, than I have, they said, hey, he started out. As a backcourt guy, he, you know, he was a guy who was a guard in his formative years and then grew into, you know, growth spurted into being a big man. So this is maybe a return to his to his roots, so to speak, when you talk about his his comfort facing the basket. But could you show that in competitive scenarios for him to do that in a setting with all three assistants there? I think was revelatory. I think it was something that maybe Sadi had seen already. And then that the other coaches were able to co-sign, and then Jet it comes back and say, "Hey, you know, Dad, this this guy can do a lot of things." And I I think it's one of those deals where in this day and age, Tim, 
you look at your numbers and while technically you might look at space and say, I don't know if I have enough space, feels like this day and age with the transfer portal and, and guys jumping, as you always have space, especially if you think a guy is as talented as they seem to think uh, Yawan Treori is as much of a fit as I think they I, I think they'll they'll take him and let the chips fall where they may if he wants to come. Yeah, I don't think they will. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast introducing the two-way v4 where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance with fuel cell each step feels explosive delivering unparalleled energy return paired with fresh foam experience maximum comfort throughout the game it's lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition the two-way v4 gives you the tools to play at a high level learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com let me let me go through some thoughts. I've said in the past that Hunter Dickinson could be a four year guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he went, he tested the waters, he came back, and and he didn't he didn't hear from the NBA what he wanted to hear. So at the very least, you know, if he's a three year guy, that's that's still substantial. So is Jabati definitely a one and done? I don't know. Um, so so if Terrace Reed and Treyor are are both on your team, and Jabati and Hunter Dickinson are there as well. What in the world do you do? Um, conversely, let's say, for instance, you don't take um, Yohan and and you 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 have Jabati and Hunter Dickinson leave. Well, Terrace Reed is there, and Juwan has shown that he can hit the transfer portal and fill in with whatever he needs at whatever position. So I I just think I think Hunter is going to be there for a while. You and, do. And, I do. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, I I, I, look, we got to expand on that for a second because, boy, Hunter talks like there's he was like he calls it like the last ride. He might even said the last dance at one, you know, one more ride. And he's talking like it's certain that he's jumping after this year. You seem to be not so convinced. Well, you know, when I was when I was in Las Vegas at the summer league, um, I talked to a lot of NBA scouts. And they really like him as a college player. 
and and I and I think that um, the the comparison is Luca Garza is that Luca just kept getting subpar reviews from NBA scouts throughout his career when he went wanted to go to the NBA. Um, for me personally, I just I don't think that Hunter is going to all of a sudden become a perimeter threat. Mm. Um, and 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 the NBA just seems enamored with that right now. I'm hopeful that he has a dominant pick and roll game because that can really help him a lot. And and I also think that if you're a two-time All-American, if you take your team to back-to-back Final Fours, then that's a game changer. But I, I'm I'm not saying it to disparage him at all. I just say from talking to a lot of a lot of contacts in the NBA, they think he's going to be in college for a while. Mm-hmm. Okay, look that that's valuable. I mean, what what he plans to do and what what's available to him might be two different things. And no if it, and if his if his standard if if the criteria for him making the jump is guaranteed first round pick, uh, and that's not the talk, if that's not the eval that's coming back, then you're right. That would lead him. Uh, lead to him coming back. I, I wonder if that will be his 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 criteria, though, or will he just say, "Hey, I'll jump, and no matter where I go, I'm I'm ready to go." I I, I don't he know what do his that. yeah yeah. I, and I hope you know I hope that next year he's in the NBA because that means he had a great year and Michigan had a really good year. So that is my hope for sure that he's an NBA player. Yeah, I just, well, but based on that, okay, now I understand where you're coming from when you say enough space because even if you felt like the roster would give you the numbers to have all those guys I mean if, if Hunter Dickinson and Musa Giabate are both back now you have a question uh and then Terrace Reed is there you got a question do you have enough minutes to go around so so yeah I could see in that instance there there not being enough room uh but I, I you know it'll be interesting to see what how they feel internally about the the possibility of of Hunter coming back but let's just Play this out for a second, just for a second, Tim. Humor me, and let's assume that they believe that Hunter's gonna jump, and that Musa's, uh, you know, most likely a one and done, and that they have room for for Johan, or for, excuse me, for Yuan. Sorry, Yuan, <laughs> that they have room for him. Tell me what you think. A of Terrace Reed's game, recent Michigan commit, and then B, how Terrace and Yuan might fit together. So let's start off with your evaluation of Terrace and then go to your evaluation of how those two pieces could possibly fit together. Well, so, so they're both 6'10 with a good frame and they move well. Um, and, and I think either one of them could play center and either one could play power forward. Um, with, with Terrace Reed, you know, he's, he's a four-star talent. I, I have not seen him in person. I've watched two highlight videos. So once again, when you're watching a video, you're only seeing the good stuff. Like mm-hmm. if, if I see him make three jumpers, does that mean he's a good jumper? I'm not sure. Um, but, but, but he's active. And I think right now he's a little bit more post oriented, but he has the potential to face up. Um, his shot looks good. He's got a big body. He competes really hard. Like he, he's a guy that when I watch him, I think he really likes to play. And, and I think he's a really good addition and he's got star potential. And, Man, if, if if all of a sudden next year Hunter's in the NBA and Moose is in the NBA, I, I still think that 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 Juwan is going to even have a greater capacity to recruit any big man that he wants that wants to be a one and done. And so that's that's a little bit why I, I worry about Treyor is that if if you if you if you want him but you hold off 
on that scholarship. It's, it's great to have a scholarship available today um, because there, there, there's probably going to be one or two big men in college basketball next year that we don't foresee becoming major, major stars. That if Juwan Howard calls, they, they pick up the phone and consider it. So I, I think there's a lot of flexibility and having that scholarship is huge. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out for sure. Uh, but uh, again, for them to extend that offer after the top 100 camp, there's something, clearly something they saw there that makes them believers uh, in the fit. And it, it's <laughs> as much as I think it's it's Phil, Sadi, and, and, and Howard, man, I think Jet came home and said, Dad, Dad. Bro, <laughs> this, this dude can help us, Dad. This dude can really help us. He's really active around the, around the rim. He, he's he's going to play defense. He's going to go after loose balls. He is a, yeah, you know, he rebounds his area. Uh, he is a good, good piece to the puzzle. Uh, and it's after the way they got territory, because this is the other thing that I think is worthy of note. And a lot of folks have said, ah, well, even the Michigan offers is not a big deal. Man, they got Terrace Reed in three months, Tim. They jumped in Terrace on Terrace Reed. I talked to his coach about it. They they jumped in on him in May and went in there and beat out Michigan State, Purdue, and Ohio State. I mean, Kansas, Kansas was in there too, but the, the main teams are Big Ten teams at the end. And Jawan was the last to come in and beat them all out. And so after that, and it's a big man too, to your point, I think they have a shot at any big man. Jawan's going to have a shot at any big man he wants a shot at. And it doesn't matter when he jumps in on him, he's going to have a decent shot at getting him, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's what I was saying earlier about, you know, you don't feel desperate to take a four or five star big man. And and 95% of college programs, if they ever get somebody of that caliber with NBA potential that would say yes, everybody would take him. But Juwan doesn't need to do that because with his track record and, and with the way his players love him, there's an opportunity for him to jump in late on any recruit that he wants and have a good shot. Gotcha. All right, Tim, let's let's switch gears before we get out of here this week and just talk a little summer league is, you know, guys have, have landed in their spots and boy, I, I just think back to earlier conversations where you were like, man, you know, Zay's a lot like a Sadiq Bay and it'd be a good fit if, you know, if you got a Sadiq Bay, why not have a guy who has a similar skill set? And look at look at where he lands. Now, and of course, you know, as much as Tim was saying that, maybe John Beeline was saying the same thing, right? So uh, interesting to see the spots where the Michigan guys landed. Franz, of course, landing with some other Michigan guys. It was just, you know, really, really great to see. So I'm curious your your summer league observations about those guys and then the free agent signings as well. Just what, what were your takeaways for, from summer league? Yeah, Sam. So I, I left the top 100 camp in Orlando and I was home for four days and then went to the summer league for eight days in Las Vegas. And one of my responsibilities with the NBA Players Association is I oversee our rookie transition program. And and this year, the, the educational sessions that we hold for the rookies, it's typically later in you know September. But due to several reasons, based on COVID and budgets and things, they had us do it during summer league. So we, we talked to the rookies in educational sessions on finance and career development, uh, subjects like social justice and mind health and relationships. And it's very comprehensive. 
Um, over the course of the eight days, we had 19 current and former NBA players. It was really a wonderful opportunity um, to hear from them. But but my favorite part of it was the relationship building with the rookies. And I'm so immensely impressed with the maturity of these guys. Um, and, and it was also fun to get a chance to, to really strengthen some one-on-one relationships and build some conversations with guys that I followed, not only the Michigan players, but um, Io DeSumnu and Luke Garza were, were top 100 campers. And then I watched them in the Big Ten. And Sam, I cannot tell you how much I like those guys, both of them. Um, Io is a, he's an Isaiah Livers type lead, leader. I, I don't know if you sense that watching him play. Um, Luca Garza, he, he's he's a guy that you want on your team. They're really impressive. Same with with guys like Cade Cunningham and and the Pistons. Um, you know they they drafted Balsha Kopervetsa and and he was out of Florida State. Um, that they, they were top 100 campers as well. Now they're Pistons. So it was just really it was really a good opportunity to watch the games, but also to to build those relationships and also. A lot of good Michigan guys there, too, competing. Yeah, man, I was a little surprised that IU DeSumo lasted as long as he did. You know, 38 in the draft. Now, look at some of the other guys, and this is not to disparage, for instance, Josh Christopher, uh, who I watched the summer league game against the Pistons, and Josh was good. Uh, And you see the potential there, but here you have IU DeSumo proving it at the college level for multiple years already and I was just surprised that he he went later than than Josh and I think there's a chance that you know Ayu Desumu can wind up being one of the steals of this draft. Yeah. The the Bulls are lucky and they've they've probably helped themselves as much as anybody this summer. And and I think that Io playing for his hometown team is is gonna do some great things. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was fun to, to build those relationships, Sam. Yeah. So I, you know, let's talk about some of the landing spots. Uh, what about, it just seems like for, for France, it couldn't have gone any better. I heard down at the top 100 camp and I'm sure you were talking to scouts and coaches down there too. And I was asking guys, where do you think France is going to go? And I was told, man, anywhere from. Anywhere from four to nine. I said four. They're talking about no. I hear anywhere from yeah, anywhere from four to nine. I say like, really. It, you know, you got teams. You know, talking about people talking about him maybe going ahead of Jalen Suggs. It just didn't make make sense. And the 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 deal that came back to me was look, it's really the team that seems most interested in him, the Magic, and the, them wondering will he la- if they don't take him at five, will he last to until eight. And it seemed like there was some consideration of maybe taking him as high as five. But when Jalen Suggs is on the board at five, you got to take Jalen Suggs. And their, you know, their gamble paid off because France is still on the board at number eight. But it it was one of those things that I heard from a few different people down in Orlando, and they rung true on, on draft day. And I'm curious what you think about Franz's landing spot. Well, it was fun to watch him in an NBA uniform. Um, and, and I know you and I have really enjoyed his journey because we both saw him as a high school player at the top 100 camp and then at Michigan now NBA, uh, everybody loves his versatility. He can cover three positions. He's a strong driver, especially to his right, the highest of character. He's got a bright future. Um, in Las Vegas, I actually thought he struggled. Mm-hmm. Uh, would he average seven, eight points per game? 
um, did not shoot the ball from three. And that was what you and I talked about Mm -hmm. throughout his career at Michigan is his shot looks good. It should be a higher percentage than it is. Um, And when I spoke to Franz, he was a bit frustrated, but not discouraged. He knows that, 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 that he um, he's got a great future. And the thing that I told him is I said, I said, Franz, this is actually a tough team for you to play with in the summer league. Think about Jalen Suggs, who I absolutely love, and Cole Anthony, our ball-dominant point guards. And then you're coming in the game off the bench with R.J. Hampton, who is very aggressive as well. He wants to get his. Um, I think there's a path to really good quality minutes as a rookie for Franz, probably as a power forward, which is crazy because he's, you know, he's so long and thin. But who's he competing with? What about Mo Wagner and Iggy Brasdakis at the power forward, right? <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't that be kind of interesting? I think that Jonathan Isaac is most likely to start, um, but they've also got what Terrence Ross has, has had some really good moments. Um, second year player Chuma Okiki. They're extremely young, but but I think Franz is in a good spot. I agree with you. I loved the landing spot for Shondi Brown with the Lakers. Now they they've made some moves that you know bring into question uh him him making the the roster but i i kind of feel like there's a chance for him to to stick with that franchise because he i mean what he brings what he is man i just think it's a a fit for for that team and maybe it's not a fit as a rookie but a guy at his size with his tenacity on on the defensive end of the floor and his shot making ability from distance fits on a roster with so much to the basket ability. Like I said, I don't know if it if it necessarily fits as a rookie, but assuming that team stays together for a minute, I think it could fit eventually. I think that that Johnny Brown is is a is a pro. He he's got a pro body, 6'5", 215. Uh he's an NBA athlete. He's an intriguing shooter. He didn't shoot great at Wake, but he he did much better last year. He can be impactful on defense. I, I watched him pretty close along with Xavier Simpson um, when L.A. played Sacramento. And Shondi Brown was one of the really good players in that game. He had 12 points. And and so he signed a two-way deal. And, and one of the reasons that I would be so intrigued and that I thought he would have a chance to play in the NBA is that, first of all, he's a winner. And second of all, he showed that he has the ability to come off the bench. Mm-hmm. And if I'm an NBA scout, rather than just take a guy, like as an example, how is Io DeSumnu going to be as a sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth man? Right. I don't know because I've right. only seen him as a starter. Right. I, I see him warm up and go right into the game and, and take over. But in the NBA, that's a whole different skill set to be able to sit there. Some guys get nervous. They, they tighten up and they come in the game and they're not the same guy. No, Shondi Brown can do it. He's the best sixth man in the Big Ten. So I, I know that that he, he can be a sixth man. Yeah, he can shoot and he's gonna play defense. Which is yeah. all they want. Basically, that's what, know your role on that team. <laughs> I mean, yep, you got yep. you got the guys on that team. The rest of you just fill some roles, man. Are you gonna <laughs> shoot and play defense? That dude can do it. So I, again, I think it's a a really good spot for him, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I just a, a few quick questions on the on the way out, Tim. A guy who I thought another guy who landed on a good team and who has scoring ability. He doesn't play defense though, but I think he could wind up being a guy 
toward the end of the first round, we saw him in the tournament. Cam Thomas to the Nets. I, I, I just think that's a guy who could come off the bench and give him some scoring, Tim. He, um, he, he hit a game winner. He showed me that he's a really smart guy and a leader when we were involved in the rookie orientation. Um, he, he can score, and, and really that's, that's what the game is all about. You can teach a, a non-defender how to at least be respectable, but you can't teach a non-scorer how to score. And, and I think that Cam Thomas is going to be a really good NBA player, w- without a doubt. He's one of the sure players. To me, and I'm surprised he slid as far as he did. I was too. I was like, Tim, we're we're seeing eye to eye. Only time I'll ever say that. <laughs> I'm seeing eye to eye with a seven footer, right? My, my last one. So Moses, what did you think of Moses Moody landing with the landing with the Warriors, man? I, you know, whenever I see just the the JP example, I was like, man, there couldn't have been a better team for JP to go to because that's the squad you go to. They're just gonna let you shoot, and, and you know the quality of the shot. It's this just outside looking at it. it doesn't really seem to matter if you're a warrior. So if you're a shooter, you got a shooter's mentality. You want to be a warrior. Moses Moody is a shooter who has a shooter's mentality. I just think it's a good landing spot for him. I, I was um, I was laughing because Moses and I had a meal together, and and I really I think he's got a great body, and he's he's a little bit like like Cam that he that he can score. He loves to score, and and I sat down and I said, you know. All year long, I, I probably watched you play 10 games because when when a kid is being recruited by Michigan, I study them. I get really intrigued with you know watching them. And when they go somewhere else, kind of like a Josh Christopher, I had the same conversation with him, that, that I become a fan of theirs and really enjoy watching them. And and so I um, I think that that with the Warriors roster, they 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 are in transition a little bit to being a competitive NBA championship caliber team. I think that Moses Moody can give them some really good bench spark at that, that, that forward position, you know, maybe a a little bit along the lines, he's going to watch Draymond green. And I know there's some really good things he can pick up from, from day day. What did you think of Kay Cunningham? Um, I, um, I I really like him a lot. Now I, I think that I had told you before that my favorite player in this draft is Jalen Suggs. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think that Kate Cunningham is just dynamite. I, I think he does things easy out there. My my concern is that they're gonna they're gonna spend so much time trying to prove that Killian Hayes is the point guard of the future that they're gonna take the ball a little bit too much out of Kate Cunningham's hands. Mm. Um, he he is is a playmaker, he's a winner he doesn't need to impress anyone. Like I, I'm thinking if I was a rookie in his position, I'd be forcing the action, trying to prove that I was the number number one pick. I was worthy of that selection. But but Cade Cunningham's gonna be a major, major star. Um, I think he's got a great chance to be rookie of the year. And when you talk about Jalen Green in Houston, like that guy wants to lead the league in scoring. Right. He wants. He wants. Right. He wants to have endorsements. He wants. Like he. He is out to prove um, to the world that he's the greatest player on the planet. And I think Kay Cunningham just wants to win. And and so I feel really good about that selection. Uh, well, Tim, I feel really good about getting back in the podcast chair with you. I appreciate you taking time out of vacation. Get back to it. Don't want the wife mad at me or mad at us. <laughs> Go enjoy your vacation, man, and we'll pick this podcast thing back up again next time, man. I appreciate you coming out of vacation for us.
Great conversation. Thanks so much, Sam. Talk soon. All right, folks. Thanks again for listening to the Michigan Basketball Insider. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.